Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I want you to stand to your feet. Put your hands together with me this morning. Welcome Pastor JR as he comes to minister this morning. Amen. Let's give Jesus a big clap and a shout. Come on, let's give Jesus a big clap and a shout. How many know he's worthy of our praises, right? How, how many here can say, hey, JR, I've been through some things, but I thank God I'm here today. Amen. You know, Billy Graham used to say this. I may not be where I want to be, but at least I'm not where I used to be. Is that right? Yeah, I'm a fellow, I'm a fellow East Sider. Grew up in East San Ho. Uh, but I grew up a Cowboy fan, not a Raider fan. But listen, uh, I think half, half the church is leaving already. I recant that, okay? No, but um, first of all, Pastor Dan's being modest. He was the most gifted, talented, anointed man of God to come out of Temple of Lean. And I believe there are two people here that would agree with me. Number one, Sister Norma, who was my, uh, you know, Sister Norma, I'm intimidated to preach in front of you because you were my Sunday school teacher. You know what I mean? I'm like, woo! Pastor Dan's lovely mom, just give her another wonderful, and of course, the woman of integrity, the strong character, woman of God, and the first lady of this house, amen. Let's uh, honor God for Pastor Angie as well, amen. God bless you. Before I get started today, I wanted to, you may be seated, but I wanted my wife to come up and just... Say hello to everybody. She doesn't, you know, uh, so why don't we give her a warm welcome this morning. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be here. Um, My journey, as you all know, I um, had cancer last year. But praise Jesus, I'm here. He's kept me. He's been so faithful. And even though, you know what, you go through those times, I don't know what you all face or what you've gone through. You know what? God's going to pull you through. Always remember, count it all joy every day you wake up because you never know. And I never knew that. But you know what? Today I'm standing here. I'm alive and I'm just so thankful. I'm glad to be home. This is like home to me. But you know what? I love this church. It's amazing. And I see just amazing people out there. God bless you this morning. And of course, uh, God has blessed us. Uh, we've been, we'll be uh, celebrating our 25th anniversary on September 11th. So we're 9-11 before 9-11. You know what I mean? And uh, God bless us with three uh, wonderful children. You know, I, I feel honored because coming from a broken home and just seeing stuff tore up the way I saw, I never knew what kind of children God would give me. <laughs> but he gave me three good kids. They don't keep me up at night. I, I don't think anything keeps me up at night. But anyways, they don't. And uh, they're grown. My son's 25. Jeremy's 25 now. Uh, he used to run the halls here with everybody. Uh, Jaden, I mean, Jasmine was best friends with ja- Jacqueline. And they used to run the halls. Uh, they're at Overfout High School. And you know, they're grown. They don't like to be around mom and dad no more. But there's still one we ain't let go. 
And that's our 16-year-old, Jaden. Jaden, I want you to stand up and just wave at everybody. And I always tell any boys that be trying to Instagram my daughter, you better walk on water if you want to take it above that. You know, you need to walk on water. Uh, I don't know if it's legal to carry guns here in California, but I do have one. Uh, so, you know, but like I was saying, uh, Pastor Dan uh, has been uh, instrumental in me being in ministry, period. He's a man of, uh, he's a gracious man. Uh, one of the best preachers in America, I think. And, uh, you know, it's an honor. And, of course, uh, he supported me tremendously when we pioneered there in the San Fernando Valley. Also, Bishop Steve Perea, who is definitely a spiritual father to me. Uh, I want to give him honor as well uh, for, for believing in me. There's some of you here <laughs> I used to run the streets with, but please, don't say nothing. No need to bring up the past, right? Uh, but you know, I have a word in my heart today that uh, I believe will inspire you, encourage you, equip you. Uh, we have just come out of a season where we were challenged at the highest level. I'll tell you what. I used to think I was a tough guy. I never really cried a lot. But I remember uh, these last two years, uh, I wept and I wept and I wept. And God did just something deep in my heart. Uh, I want you to know that just because we're in ministry <clears throat> doesn't mean that we don't have uh, our own challenges. But God uh, did a miracle, and he's continuing to do a miracle and I stand before you today as uh, someone who, uh, you know, has finally allowed God to go into places that I didn't want him to go into. Is that okay with you? Uh, anyways, open up your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's a very familiar story. Um, I thought of you, Tom Hogan, when I, when I uh, gave this message its title. Uh, but... Uh, I'm titling this message of, what do you do when you get punched in the mouth? And I didn't think of, because he was always the puncher, not the punchy, you know. But I thought of him when I, when I, when I put this message together. But I'm going to explain to you what I mean. Hallelujah. And I don't want the worship team to go too far, because uh, I believe God's going to use you guys to release a, uh, an atmosphere of uh, miracles today. Second uh, Chronicles 20, verse 1, it says, And it happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat or, or came to punch Jehoshaphat in the mouth. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria and from uh, Hazan Tamar. Let's move on to... And he set himself to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout Judah. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word. I just pray that it falls on the hearts of those that uh, have came to receive. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I sense uh, such a <clears throat> powerful presence of God here. I do. And I'm going to try to work through this. Uh, Work through this. The Bible teaches us that Judah was about to be obliviated off the face of the earth. Now, the word Judah 
I'm sure most of you know what this means. It means praise. That's interesting because how many know that the enemy would come in and try to rob you of the very thing that you were designed to do? And this is what was happening here. Judah was a people of praise. And the enemy were about to obliviate these people. Jehoshaphat received news that I believe the Bible says here, and according to what it says, that he feared and set himself to seek the Lord. I want to try to keep things as real as possible to you this morning because I have learned in the last few years that it's better if I preach with the people than to preach down to them. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've never been afraid. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I've never made bad decisions in a bad season. But what I am here to tell you is what Jehoshaphat did, which, which is amazing. For the Bible says that he feared and set himself to seek the Lord when he heard this terrible news. To me, that's the key principle to any breakthrough in life. We all will experience fear. We all will go through difficult times. Some of us will deal with guilt. Some of us will deal with shame. Some of us will experience some very horrible uh, life-altering experiences in our lives. But it's in that moment and in that time, it is the decisions that we make will either catapult us into a greater breakthrough or pull us back and we lose out on an opportunity for God to bring breakthrough and blessing to our lives. Are you with me? So this is the key here. What decision are we going to make when we go through difficult times? You see, fear is okay because it's an emotion that God gave us. But let me remind you that there is a difference between the emotional fear than the spirit of fear. When you allow the spirit of fear to grip your heart, it will paralyze you. But if you notice, Jehoshaphat feared, but he made a right decision in the midst of that fear. He knew that he was about to be destroyed. He knew that his nation was about to experience one of the most horrifying things they could ever experience. But the Bible says that not only did he fear, but he set himself to seek the Lord. When we heard, this, uh, when we heard for the very first time, I came home from work and my wife looked me in the eye and she had tears in her eyes. And she says, "Jr., the doctor found cancer in me. What do you think I did? You think I was that great big man of faith and I stuck my chest out and I said, oh, we're going to overcome. No, I folded like a lawn chair. The woman that God had blessed me with, the woman that God gave me three beautiful children with, we were about to go into a season that was, that was unknown and there was uncertainty. So, of course, fear set in. And I'll tell you what, not all the time when we are hitting the mouth like that do we always make the right decision. Sometimes we just can't handle what's coming at us and we need an outlet. Especially those of us that kind of grew up dysfunctional. When we hear bad things, we tend to lean towards doing bad things. Oh, come on, am I the only? Come on, church folk. So when we heard this noise, fear gripped our hearts. Fear gripped my wife's heart. We were shell-shocked. 
stopped. And we're like, my goodness, what's, what next? What are we going to do? I remember asking God, what am I going to do, God? You know, emotional, crying, and crying with my wife. And <clears throat> we resign our church. God told me, I need you to make Deanna your priority. I need you to make her. And, you know, uh, we were mar- married for many years, but I can honestly say that G- Deanna wasn't always my priority. I know you, some of you ladies are going to hate me for this one, but I remember postponing my honeymoon to stay home and watch the Cowboys and the Bills play. No, no, no. It, 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 no, that's not cool. That's not cool. I'm surprised she didn't tell me, you need to pack your bags and leave, baby. Because I set a tone early in our marriage that I was going to like sports a little bit more than I liked my own wife. I'm not, and I'm still a big fan today, don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't even be here today, Pastor Dan, preaching because I love to watch football so much, I would have stayed home and watched college football Saturday and today because it was a priority in my life. My children took a backseat to some of my own selfishness. I even put my church ahead of my family at times. And I know one of our models at CWC, I remember Bishop would always preach to me and tell me, JR, your family is first, your church is second. But you know, when you're in the heat of battle, when you're building and you're uh, creating momentum and a lot of good things are happening, you tend to just really focus on the process of pioneering a church. So we went through this, and, and I remember that. But then when we hear these news, a few years later, God began to speak to me and says, hey, you need to make your family your priority. So I didn't always make the right decisions when things good, bad, or indifferent would always or would happen to us. So we read here that Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. I think that's some good advice right there. Because how many know that when you fear and seek God, God will begin to give you a strategy on how to navigate yourself through the season that you're in. So the Bible says that they feared and he feared and set himself to seek the Lord, but he took it a step further. And to me, this is where the change begins to happen, especially if we are in ministry. The Bible says that they feared, they, set, that they sought after God, but then they began to proclaim a fast throughout Judah. Prayer and fasting. You know, when I pioneered uh, CWC, I pioneered in, in a very hostile spiritual climate of North Hollywood. And I knew that if I was ever going to bring change or if we were ever going to impact our city, there would have to be prayer and fasting involved. Because some of those stuffs, some of those things, some of the things in the realms of the spirit are not moved or impacted unless you do pray and fast. Mommy and daddy, what am I telling you today? Maybe this morning your family ain't serving God. Maybe your husband didn't come home last night. Maybe your children are not even here. Maybe they were out doing their thing. And rather than complaining, we should maybe set some time aside to pray and fast for their deliverance. Pray and fast for their breakthrough. 
See, things begin to happen and things begin to change in the realm of the spirit when we begin to do the kingdom things that we have been called to do. When God says to pray, you pray because I found out that if you don't pray, you don't stay. You got to be able to pray, but not only that, add a little fire to the fuel and begin to fast, begin to push the plate back a little bit. And you will see things in the realm as the spirit begin to shake and to begin to move because there are some things that are coming up against your family. There are even things, uh, uh, Pastor Dan, that are coming up against this church because the enemy don't like what you guys are doing. So get, guess what? He's sending his green berets and he see and his seals your way because he's trying to disrupt what God is trying to do. But if there is a people who are willing to pray, if there is a people that are willing to fast, if there are willing, is there a people that are willing to just get beyond their comfortability and go after the things of God, you will begin to see a city change for the kingdom of God. You'll see a region change for the kingdom of God. You will begin to see your family change for the kingdom of God. Listen, mama, you want your husband in church? Pray and fast and stop complaining to him. Stop putting him down. Maybe serve the brother every now and then. Because you may be the only Christ he sees. Oh, when I was a marriage counselor, I don't know if that was one of the most favorite things I like to do. But, you know, they'd come in because financial stuff weren't worked out in the house. And they'd come in and they'd complain. <clears throat> And I would ask him, well, how, how do you guys treat each other when everything ain't going right? Ooh. You know, ladies, you, you guys can be vicious, boy. <laughs> ladies can be vicious. <laughs> they take the manhood right out of you. <laughs> Oh, don't walk into the bathroom and the toilet seat not be down. Ooh, you'd be in trouble. Or maybe the cap is not put on the toothpaste, right? <laughs> so Jehoshaphat began to declare a fast throughout all Judah because he was fighting for the destiny of a nation. And desperate times call for desperate measures. And I don't know if there are some of you here that are desperate. But maybe it's time for us to change our strategy and say, God, give me your strategy for my breakthrough. Give me, what, what do I need to do? So, you know, in the last, God tweaked my strategy, Pastor Nick, just a little bit. And now I serve my wife as much as I can. And I'm not a perfect husband, but I serve my wife as much as I can. She'll tell you. I wake up extra early just to make her coffee every morning. And I just give it to her, here, babe, you want some coffee? And, then, and I try to do everything I can <laughs> just to keep her happy. And boy, she could be ornery. I ain't, my wife, I, she's a tough cookie. You might think she's all nice and uh, lovey-dovey, boy. But boy, she, you know, I think God changed her strategy against me, too, you know. I needed somebody that can hold me accountable. I needed somebody that can hold me accountable. You know, because not only am I a preacher, but I'm a human also. And I need accountability. 
as much as the next person. I have some really good pastor friends in, the, in, in L.A. that we keep it extremely real. And it just helps me to live a life of integrity and holiness without these men and my wife holding me accountable as a man, as a human being. It'd be tough. I live in Los Angeles, and it's a you know, crazy place. So he prayed and called a fast throughout all Judah. Can I, can I, I'm going to, sorry about this, quick commercial. I brought my book, sounding it in the back. Now, this is a kingdom book. Um, God gave me some revelation on uh, the fivefold ministry that I think will help us. Uh, you know, uh, not everybody uh, practices some of the stuff that's in here, which is okay. Uh, but this is just something God gave me. It's also a book that will challenge you to grow. Um, I'm a kid that grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I live on Genie Avenue off of McLaughlin. And I never thought God would ever use me to do anything like this. Uh, I didn't go to high school. I went to school high. <laughs> I always get that same reaction, though. I went to Silver Creek High School. Dan Martinez, one of my best friends growing up, went to school with me. I remember the day I met him, we were listening to Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> playing basketball. And uh, God gave me this book. I put it together. Now it's helping people. Everywhere I go, I sell out. So this is what I'm going to do for CWC because you guys are family. I normally sell them for 15 It's just to help the ministry. I know it's a little more than they expected. But I'm going to sell them today for $10. Go pick up a copy. I promise you it'll encourage you. I promise you it'll help you. Pastor Dan, here's your copy. I promise you. So he prayed. He set himself to seek the Lord, right? Now look what he says in verse 12. Our God, this is after he hears all the complaining. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have... No power against this great multitude. Have you ever felt that way? Like, hey, I don't think I could win this battle. I have absolutely no power against this thing that's coming at us. He says that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. What a powerful principle. Again, he's under tremendous pressure. He's afraid. He's the leader of a nation. And he stands before God, and he begins to tell God, God, I need your help. But you know what? And this is the, the amazing part, the humility I see. He says, I come to you because I don't know what to do. So what he's saying is, what to do when there's nothing we can do? I could not remove the cancer from my wife's body. There was nothing physically I could do. There was nothing I could do. I could not uh, make her happy. I could not do anything to help the situation, but only pray. I say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, God, because there's nothing I can do, but I have to trust you. See, you could hear the desperateness in Jehoshaphat's voice. 
And men and women, listen to me closely. Have you been driven to that point in your life where you're desperate? Where you need to see a breakthrough. That you are willing to do what you need to do to see God move in your situation. Now this is amazing. Because if you go on and read the story, and I'm sure some of you know this story backwards. But if you go on and read the story, you find out that Jehoshaphat was given an amazing strategy. A prophet came to him, and the prophet says this, if you listen to the prophet, you will prosper. In other words, if you listen to the word of God, you will prosper. If you declare God's word in the midst of your situation, you will prosper. You know, during this season, I found out something about God's word. God's word, now watch this. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But it's the New Testament that's the Old Testament revealed. So when you begin to declare God's word in the midst of whatever you're going through, I don't know, there are over 3,000 promises in the word of God, and I'm sure one of them must belong to you. When you find yourself in a situation where you're going through a difficult time, begin to get the word of God. Find a scripture in there. Find a passage in there and begin to declare the word of the Lord. Because one of the strategies that I caught that was interesting is when Jehoshaphat began to talk to God and he said, said, God, aren't you the God that delivered the others in the past? Aren't you the God that is a friend of Abraham and we are children of Abraham and we are part of the promise of Abraham? What he began to do is declare the promise of God back to God. He began to remind God of the promises that God has already made for them. Now, what am I saying? I'm sure some of you, just like the baby that was dedicated this morning, I believe many of you have received a promise, a prophetic word from you years past and I believe that in order for you to get the breakthrough you need you need to begin to declare God's word declare God's promise begin to speak his word and you watch how the word begin to change a situation so guess what me and my wife we did this goofy thing we begin to write scriptures and tape them on our walls in our room so the first thing we see is the word of God. Amen. And we spoke to the cancer. Now listen, I know that miracles don't always happen. But we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got to continue to declare God's promises. Whether your situation looks good or not, you begin to declare, you begin to speak you begin to prophesy. I know there was times when I wasn't in ministry, and God, when you're in ministry and you leave ministry, it's one of the hardest things to do. It's like half of you dies. But I remember I would have to stand in front of my mirror, and I would begin to prophesy to myself. I'd begin to prophesy over my wife. I'd begin to declare the word of the Lord. And when I begin to declare the word of God... It would bounce right off that mirror and right back to me. All of a sudden, that man that was fragile, that man that was afraid, that man that was insecure, things begin to rise up inside of me. And the giant in me began to grow. Because why? I chose to make, and I said, God, I'm going to make the right decision here. I'm going to declare your word. You know, church, even when I pastored, I don't think I did that very much. When stuff would come at me, when people would come at me, you know, I, I always thought people liked me. 
I always went through life thinking, hey, I just want people to like me. I'm going to get into ministry because I had some of my friends in ministry. They were doing great things for God. I liked all the attention they were getting. Everybody seemed to love them. And then I decided, well, I'm going to get into ministry now. I didn't know how I had so many people that I didn't even know. It's, it's like when you have Facebook and you got over 3,000 friends. I only had two friends in high school, Dan Martinez and Ben Lucero. But now I got like 3,000 friends. I don't remember having 3,000 friends. It's like that. You walk, you step into ministry, and you decide to not be normal anymore. You decide not to be just average anymore. And you decide, I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God. And you realize, man, I, 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 wait, 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 wait. I got into this to help people. Why do people hate me? I just want to help. I just want to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I want to cast demons out of people. I just want to do something good for humanity. And woo, the haters come out of the woodworks. I got an interesting uh, inbox the other day, and uh, I came up with this phrase that I knew it was going to create a little uh, buzz, but I'm an equal opportunity, the offender. And I started putting on my Facebook images everything, and I got criticized for it, whatever, but I just took it from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where the word of the Lord says that you were created in the image of God. So image is everything if you get that revelation inside you, that there's absolutely nothing impossible when you actually start walking like God designed you to walk. Right? I'm the first preacher. Now watch this. I'm the first preacher in world history, and, and I'm, not gonna, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you where God has brought me. I'm the first preacher in world history to ever write for a fashion magazine. I told some of you guys this last time I was here. I write for a fashion magazine. How did that happen? I just began to preach God's word, and there was a person that was the CEO and founder of the magazine sitting three, four rows in the back, and she liked the energy I had. She called it energy, but she didn't know it was the anointing on my life. She goes, I like what you're saying. So I began to write for her, and she let me talk about Jesus in her magazine. And let me tell you something about that. And I know this has nothing to do with my message, but just stick with me. I promise you we'll close strong. That magazine is reaching people, and my message about the love of Christ and his grace and his mercy is reaching people that would never walk into the church. Reaching people from alternative lifestyles. Reaching people that don't even, that hate God. And yet they look in the magazine and say, this is something different about this article. He's not talking about fashion. And he ain't talking about how many surgeries Kim Kardashian has had. He's talking about something different. He's talking about God's love and that God loves me just where I'm at. And I begin to tell people, listen, God loves you where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. Does that make sense? So Jehoshaphat declares unto the Lord, God, didn't you not promise to do this? So God looks down, and I just believe 
that to me, that's just God loves it when we remind him of his promises. That, not that he needs to be reminded, but God loves it when, you, when his word is coming out of your spirit, even from a broken place, a place of, God, I don't know what else to do. I'm desperate. My son don't come home no more. My daughter's out there tripping. God, what are you going to do? I dedicated to her. I dedicated her to you when she was just a baby. And you don't know what to do, but guess what? You find the promise of God, and you begin to declare it. So I believe that just shifted this whole thing. When he began to talk to God, he said, God, aren't you the God that said you would never leave us nor forsake us? Aren't you the God? See, you, some, some of us might be broke. Aren't you the God that said you own a cattle on a thousand hills? See, listen to me. God does own a cattle on a thousand hills. And if you need a financial breakthrough today, don't you think God would sell a cow for you? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He said in his word that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He said that whatever you ask in my name, I will do it if you just believe. And even if you don't feel right, even if you, feel, even if you were at the club last night, even if you were at San Pedro Square partying hard, listen to me closely, even if you were there last night, or even if you were at the Roombaloo or whatever Spanish club there is out there, and you're dancing to Tigres of the Norte, and you're over here dancing slow to Luis Miguel, even if you're out there doing what you do, and you don't feel right, you don't feel good, you don't feel righteous, you feel far from God, God's word promised that you are his righteousness. And what that tells you is that you are righteous, not because of something you've done, but it's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. In other words, when the apostle Paul wrote that scripture, he says this, Jesus became what you were so that you might become what Jesus is. And that is an overcomer. That is an overcomer. That is an overcomer. That is somebody that can stand in the presence of God. That is somebody that can come into the holies of holies and begin to declare to God of the things that he's done. Declare to God of the things that you've been through. And God who, who the word of God says that his anger is but for a moment against you. Here's everything you have to say. And not only does he listen but he responds. You need to know today that God's not mad at you. His word does say his anger is but for a moment. You know what that means? It means this. You ready? Look at me closely. Everybody look at me. This is what that means. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? The, that word says that God's anger towards you is but for a moment. The word moment means the blinking of an eye. Some of you have been running from God since 1972 because you still think God is mad at you when he's done forgotten about all that stuff. So he prayed. They all prayed. He cried out to God, and God gives him a strategy. I'm almost done. If I could have the worship team come out, because we're going we're gonna to finish this a little different today. He's like, so, is Alburo still open today? No? Okay. I was going to say, because some of y'all look like, oh, good, he's finishing so we can go eat. <laughs> now I'm going to get out the way, and we're going to see what God does next.
So this was the strategy. And I believe God echoes this strategy throughout his word from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Nothing changes because the principles stay the same. Kingdom principles don't change. We may change, but kingdom principles will never change. So Jehoshaphat don't know what to do. And he says this, well, all right, God, I don't know what to do. What what do you want to do? And God is so clever. And he's so amazing. He loves to show himself strong on the behalf of the weakness of his own people. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to not send your best warriors out to the middle of the battle. I want you to send your worship team. Although I take some of these guys with me in a dark alley. They look pretty scary. Right? He goes, I want you to take your best worshipers. He goes, and I I want them to begin to worship God in the middle of the fight. How many of you are in a fight this morning? About 20% of the church raised their hand, Pastor Dan. You guys have been talking about declaring war. God gives the nation of Judah one of the greatest strategies. And he says, I don't want you to send your best warriors out there. But I want you to send your worship team. And I want you to begin to worship me. Make me large, he says. Begin to increase me through your worship. So the Bible says that they go out into the middle of the battle and then they begin to sing. What was that last song we sang tonight, this morning? What was that last song? They began to sing King of Glory. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord strong, mighty, and what? Who is the King of Glory? They begin to declare to God his greatness, his awesomeness. And the Lord says that if you would worship me, I will inhabit the praises of my people. He'll come and sit right there where miracles happen, where breakthroughs happen. So he sends out his best worship team. Now watch this. A few thousand years later, there are two men of God that are thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And God didn't tell them to fight the guards. God didn't tell them to do anything like that. You know what God says? You just begin to praise and worship me while you're in your cell. While you have, while you're bound by chains. Ah, this is going to hit home right now. So what does the Bible say? That Paul and Silas at the midnight hour, while they were beaten, were thrown into a prison. And they were enchained. That's what the Bible says. So at the midnight hour, they begin to praise and worship God. Now, let me give you just a small account how I think this happened. I believe that when Paul and Silas were in prison and they were chained, that they began to worship God. Now, the Word of God says this, that the earth is the footstool of the Lord. So when Paul and Silas were thrown into a prison, and this is a key principle, 
I believe that their worship began to fill the atmosphere. But it didn't only fill the atmosphere. I believe it went a little further than that. It began to go into the stratosphere. And beyond that, even into the hemisphere, until the throne room of God. And since the earth is the footstool of God, I believe when God began to hear this worship, he began to tap his foot. Because the Bible says that a great earthquake happened and the prison doors began to open and the chains just fell off. What's the principle there? That when you worship God, it don't matter what prison you're in, it don't matter what chains you're bound by, when you worship God, God will open up those prison doors that have you bound and God will break those chains that have you bound. But you got to be able to worship God. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.